uh, Luke 13, verses 22 through 30. But I brought a book this morning. Um, I'd like to show it to you. I found this book on, unfortunately, on the bookshelf here. So if you bought this and donated it, you're not going to like what I have to say. So my apologies up front. But uh, I, I found this here, and I, I have since pulled it off the shelves. It's no longer available from the church library. The book is called Many Paths. If you can't read it, it's called Many Paths, One Heaven. Many Paths, One Heaven. It's published in 1965, written by Nuri Moss. I don't think that's, he's not, that's not an English name, but Nuri Moss wrote this. And it's, um, it's basically a book talking about the idea that essentially all religions, it goes through uh, Islam, Confucianism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, all sorts, Christianity, and all these different religions, and boils them all down to, to love and, and how basically they're all the same. Um, the idea is that, well, you've heard it said this way maybe, that Religion, they describe it like a mountain, and there's a mountain with one peak, and heaven's at the top, and there's this one goal, but however, there are many paths that lead uh, up this mountain, but no matter what path you choose to follow, they all end up at the top. And so this book poses itself as a kid's book, which is kind of disturbing, but it's way too wordy, as you can see. No kid is going to make it all the way through this book. But it's... it's um, what, what do you think about a book like this? Many paths, one heaven. This is a very popular idea in our culture today. But is that opinion right or wrong? Are there many paths and to all going to one heaven? What do you think? What's your opinion? And I ask you that because I want to say this. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> I ask you that to kind of trick you into thinking, well, I don't know whether that's right or wrong. You know what? It doesn't matter if you think it's right or if you think it's wrong. Don't be offended. It doesn't matter what I think about the book either. That is not what matters. If we could all take a poll and are we going to decide, is this book right or is this book wrong based upon popular opinion? So let's all vote. We're not going to do this. And then that will decide if this book is right or wrong. No, that's not how we decide these things. The question we must ask is not if we think this is right or wrong, but has God spoken about this at all? And if he has, what has he said? Has God spoken about things, things of this nature? And if he has, what has he said about it? And that's exactly where our text is taking us this morning. This is Jesus is addressing this very issue this morning in Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 22. I'll have you read along with me now. This is Luke chapter 22 through verse 30. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, 
I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves cast out. And the people will come from east and west, from north and south, and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Grass withers, flower fades, word of our God stands forever. So Jesus, straight up in our text this morning, tells us this. The door into the kingdom is a narrow door. The language he uses. There are many who will be, will there be few who are saved? Jesus says in verse 24, strive to enter through the narrow door. He speaks totally against the idea of books like the one that I brought up here this morning. That as though there are many doors, just pick. It's like it's a hallway just full of doors. And it doesn't matter which door you pick, just pick one. They all go to the same place. Jesus does not agree with that at all. He says, strive to enter the narrow door. There is one door. Jesus is very narrow-minded. <laughs> so if you ever get accused from preaching the gospel, being a Christian, if you ever get accused of being narrow, take comfort. You might, you might be being wrongly narrow, but you might also just be being biblical. Jesus himself was narrow. Really, everyone's narrow in their views. Even a book like this, it, it, it fronts itself as being real broad and open in one way it is. But in another way, it's actually very narrow. But the question we have to ask is not, am I narrow? Everyone, in one way or another, is very narrow with their beliefs. We have to ask, though, are we narrow-minded? Are we narrow in our thoughts in the same way that Jesus was narrow? Jesus says almost the same thing at the end of his sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 7. This is verses 13 and 14 from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. (laughs) The question now comes for each one reading this statement and listening to it. Are you getting through the narrow door? Are you going through the narrow door? When Jesus speaks of this, are you going through the narrow door? It's interesting. Is is the path that you're on, is the the road that you're on, is it an easy path? Is it a a difficult path? Is it a, 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 a narrow path? Is it full of striving or is it broad and easy and coasting? Because Jesus warns against the broad, easy path, the wide gate, the wide door, it leads to destruction. So it's interesting how this topic comes up, isn't it? Jesus is teaching along. We've entered into a new teaching segment from Jesus. He's traveling around Judah. And we won't, we'll see another uh, pericope at the beginning of chapter 17. But someone comes up and asks this question, Will those who are being saved be few? Now, Jesus knows the answer to this question. 
I mean, Jesus is God. He is omniscient. He says there is something he doesn't know, which is the time of his return. He confesses that that's been kept hidden from him. That's the Father's knowledge. But he certainly knows who he's dying for. He knows how many will be saved. But he doesn't answer the question. He could have just said, he could have just given a number. (laughs) But he doesn't. He doesn't just give this number. He doesn't really answer the question. Instead, he redirects this person's concern. He essentially says the main concern for listeners is not if there will be many who will be saved or not. The main concern is will you be? That's where Jesus puts the emphasis. It isn't will there be a lot of people that get saved. Jesus redirects the listener's attention to ask this question. What about you? Are there many that will come through the narrow door? Jesus says, you strive, you work, you make every effort to enter through the narrow gate. This passage goes along well with the teaching we heard earlier in chapter 13. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the the, the people who were murdered by Pilate. And Jesus says, well, were they worse sinners than everybody else? And then there were the people who the Tower of Siloam fell upon. And the question is, you know, were they worse sinners than others? And Jesus boils these catastrophes, these hardships in life down to this reality. You repent lest you likewise perish. He's pressing hard upon the individual to think about their own status, their own state before a holy and righteous God. The individual is to make sure that they are in the right position before God themselves. So it brings us to our main idea this morning. The main idea from our text that Jesus is communicating to us is that Living with a faith that has no fight is living with a false faith. Living with a faith that has no fight to it is living with a false faith. An easy faith, according to Jesus, an easy faith is really not even faith. If it's a broad, comfortable, smooth road, if there's no struggle, if there's no is there's no striving, an easy faith is no faith at all. A faith that costs you nothing is a faith that is worth nothing. And we see this from Jesus' initial response to the questioner. He applies to all of them that if salvation is to be theirs, which salvation, entering the kingdom, and salvation are synonymous. That's what Jesus is talking about. We can see from here clearly, he's doing this teaching on entering the kingdom. And the guy says, well, those who are saved be few. They're synonymous. Being saved is the idea of entering into the kingdom. And if they want to be saved, if they want to enter the kingdom, they are to strive to enter the narrow door. But then the question comes to us, what does it mean to strive? What does it mean to strive? Jesus is warning them, strive to enter the narrow gate. We know, we know that you are saved not upon any effort or exertion of your own will. You are not saved by your own good works. You are not saved by the things you do. Salvation is by the grace of God. Salvation belongs to the Lord, Job says, or Jonah says. Truly, I know salvation belongs to the Lord. God is the God who saves. So then what does it mean to strive into the narrow gate? It, it can't be that we are striving for our own and, and creating our own salvation. That is what Christ and his work does. But no one, though our will does not make it happen. John chapter 1 says that, 
No one is saved by the will or exertion of man. Not by the will or exertion of man. And we are not saved by our own exertion. But also, no one is ever saved apart from their will or against their will. So it isn't that your will, like you decide, I'm going to get saved. God does the saving. But at the same time, no one's saved apart from their will. The will is involved in this salvation, in, in salvation. And so we are to strive, though it is not the thing that creates our salvation, it is something that is there, a striving to enter into the narrow door, into the kingdom. The Greek word for strive there, I'm not going to say it, but I mean, it's, it's, it sounds very similar to agonize. The, we get the same, we use the same root Greek word for our English word agonize. There's a make every effort. Other translations say make every effort or work hard to enter through the narrow door. And to think of what striving means, if you think about uh, football players out on the, on drilling on the practice field, and they have that gauntlet thing set up, you know, where they've got all the, all the dummies that stick in from the sides. There's about, you know, football players this wide and the gate's about that big. And they all have to, they have to run through and hit all these pads. They have to strive to enter and to make it through the gauntlet. That's the kind of work. There's this kind of violence. There's this kind of aggressiveness that pushes and works and fights to get into the narrow door. This is the kind of effort that Jesus is speaking of. It is a narrow door into the kingdom. And Jesus is warning them that the path through the door is not an easy one. If your faith has no fight, has no element of where it feels like you are working through something. If living with a faith that has no fight is living with a false faith. This is totally counter to the popular view of Christianity today, isn't it? We work so hard to just take every... Let's, let's make coming to Jesus as easy as we can make it. <laughs> We're just All you got to do is you got to come forward, walk in the aisle, maybe sign a card, um, repeat this prayer after me, say these words, come down, have communion, maybe we'll dunk you in some water. We want to make it as easy as possible to have people come in to, to get saved. We just want to... Lower every barrier. And in one sense, I think I am absolutely for removing every unnecessary barrier to, to faith in Christ. Removing every unnecessary barrier because, that's, because of this one reality. The gospel itself is a giant barrier. The gospel itself is a giant barrier because it requires the individual to humble themselves before God, to confess themselves a sinner. Who wants to do that? That is not an easy thing. This is all, this is totally against this, this, and again, not Darren's view is against popular Christianity. Read Jesus' words from Luke 13. His view, the Savior's view, is counter to all of this that we, that, that is peddled out there today. Strive, work hard, make every effort in this pursuit of through, going through the narrow door. So if we're saved by God's grace only, then what is the point of the striving? Why would we strive to enter into the narrow door? God saves me by His grace. What's the point? What are we fighting against? What are we striving against? What are we striving for? And i got a few things here. The first is that we are striving against self. 
We are striving against self. You have a giant heap, a giant load, a giant backpack full of self-concern and self-interest that will not make it through that narrow door. When an individual comes to faith in Christ, it is coming and confessing Christ, confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord. I am no longer my own, for I was bought with a price in 1 Corinthians. I I was bought with a price, which means if you're no longer your own, you are not the Lord of your life. Someone else is. The point that Jesus is making back in 923, remember Luke chapter 9, it's been a few weeks ago, months ago. Jesus says this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In one way, to be a Christian is to be at war with yourself. That the priority of your life is no longer me first, but Christ, God's glory. He is first. Not me first, but He is first. And there are daily a thousand different things of self-protection, of self-satisfaction, of self-consuming, of self-obsession that are thrown at us day after day after day. And our sinful flesh, it feels so right to do everything for yourself. And the Christian who walks down the road and and professes to love Christ, professes himself to be a sinner in need of a Savior, yet does nothing to strive against self, that is a faith that has no fight. And therefore, a faith that is of no faith at all. We are to strive against self. Jesus says in Mark 10, Verses uh, Mark 10, 43 and 45. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Within every Christian is this ongoing battle. Is Christ Lord or are you Lord? Who's Lord of your life? And when, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, you know what that looks like? A lot of striving against self. A lot of striving against self. What I want to see happen. What I want to do. Where I want to be. Who I want to be. What I want to say. All of these things. All of these preferences. All of these strongly felt things from within you. Rise up. But the Christian does not live as though they are Lord. Because they aren't. They live as Christ, that Christ is Lord. They strive to enter the narrow door. So they strive against self. They also strive against sin. And the two are pretty closely related. Living with yourself as Lord is idolatry, which is sin. But we are to strive against sin. It's closely related, but it's, it's worth its own thought. The Christian is to strive against self and to strive against sin. Colossians 3 verse 5 says, Put to death the deeds of the body. There's no room for sin and therefore no room for entertaining sin at every level. And if you know yourself very well, you know that your day consists of many poles towards sin. The life of a Christian is striving to enter the narrow door. Which means striving and fighting against sin on many fronts. I was reading an audiobook, a sci fi audiobook, and uh, it's called Galaxy's Edge, that doesn't matter. But um, they, they, were, it, they were out fighting while well, on the Galaxy's Edge. 
Hence the title, Galaxy's Edge. And they're fighting against all these aliens and whatever. And, and when they would roll out of their transports, everyone would shout, uh, KTF. Now, I have no idea what that acronym means in the real world. I'm just talking about within this book. But they, they'd roll out and they'd shout, KTF. And you're like, I don't know what that means. And the book wouldn't explain it. And they kept going chapters along and newbies would roll in and they would be wondering, what do they, KTF, what does that mean? And finally, a few chapters later, they, you realize that this KTF they're shouting meant kill them first. That was their mentality. They roll out, and if there was opposing things that were going to attack them, the mentality was kill them first. And as I thought about that in relationship to sin, I thought, that's a pretty good motto. KTF, kill sin, KSF. Kill sin first. Kill them first. Because the reality that they lived with in this book is that if they were not killing the enemy first, be sure the enemy was going to end up killing them. And the Christian is to strive and to put to death sin because of this reality. If you do not put sin to death, be sure sin will put you to death. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you is what John Owen says. Does your life consist of any fight against sin? Strive to enter the narrow door. Does your life consist of any fight against yourself? Any fight against sin? If it does not, living with a faith that has no fight is living with a false faith. Thirdly, we aren't just striving against, we're also striving for something. You don't have time, but we're striving for righteousness. We're striving for service. We're striving for our children to be raised in the fear and respect of the Lord. We are striving for love for others. You know, it is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all you men out there. Um, so it's, but since I am a father, I get to be a little harder on dads than I get to be on mothers. Because it's Father's Day. As you think about Father's Day, one of the reasons that I think the church is lacking a real masculine presence is because we've lost a lot of this striving language when it comes to love within the church. We've lost a lot of this, this masculine identity of striving, of fighting, of being about something. This Many Paths, One Heaven book highlights love, 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 love. And, and, but often, and many churches today highlight love, love, but often it's just one aspect of love. And it's always this, this maternal love, this, this one aspect of love. So imagine with me a, a camping trip. A family goes out on a camping trip and they stay in a tent. Uh, they're a half mile from the nearest shelter house. It's not my family. We would never camp in a tent. But a family is out camping in a tent somewhere. And they, for the evening, they sit down. They get done their supper. They're cleaning up. And a bear shows up. Okay, there's somewhere where bears are. Bear shows up. What happens? The father says to the mother, take the kids. It's half mile. Get, move, get to going to the shelter. I'm going to stay back here. He grabs a, a tree branch like a, like a you know, silly man. And he's going to fight a bear. And he's like, if this takes, if I have to fight tooth and nail till the last drop of blood in my body, I will fight this bear for you to get to safety. The mom and kids run off. 
The mother's consulting, consul, uh, consoling them, comforting them. They get to the shelter. She's hugging them. It's going to be okay. She's, she's, you know, giving them an embrace. And the father is back in a gruesome, bloody, violent battle with a bear to protect his family. Which one of those p- people is loving their family? Which one is, which one is showing love? It's a false dichotomy, right? That's a false option. They both are. There's no choice to make. They both are showing love. And that, this is what a love, now the mother certainly, that is love to comfort, to console, to encourage. It's absolutely love. But it's also love to be about striving for something. Living violently with purpose. Living violently with, to, to accomplish something. I would ask that as I think this type of love is almost non-existent in churches today. Of it's all maternal. This love for, that is a love of a father to fight, to contend, to strive, as Jesus says, to enter into the narrow door. And I'd ask for you to pray with me on this Father's Day that a striving love would be awakened in our church. That was a side note, Father's Day. So lastly, Jesus goes on this parable with a very disturbing picture. Strive to enter the door and many, he says, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. And when once the master of the house has risen to shut the door and you begin to stand outside, knock at the door, Lord, open to us, he'll answer you. I don't know where you come from. They'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. The danger here, even though I brought up this book about one paths, many heavens, or one heaven, many paths. The danger here is not for all these other religions they could pick up. The danger for these men, these, these individuals, men and women, whoever they are, coming to the door. The danger for them was that they were in the right religion, but it was all false. They were in the right religion. They go to the right door, but there was nothing, that has, there was nothing in their life that had striven to get through it before it was too late. It is a limited season of grace that we live in. They, it was all too late. We see these characters in Jesus' parable. Their desire is to come in, but they find the door locked because they do not get there in time. The group is shocked that they aren't included in the kingdom. They, they were around him, they listened to him, they ate with him, but yet they are not his. They had a faith that was fake. They had a faith that was fake. And a modern equivalent might sound something like this. Lord, we attended church. We listened to the words about you. We served as officers in the church. We came forward, we took communion. And Jesus says, no, I don't know where you come from. And they will be cast into hell, which is what this picture is. Jesus is telling them that living with a faith that has no fight is really a false faith. Why fight? Why strive? Because there is a door to enter through. There is a coming feast that those who have fought and have entered through the narrow door will recline with God Himself and will enjoy this feast. There is those who will be last in this world because they've spent all their time striving. Those who are last will then become first. And those who are first, who have got it easy and everything's going well for, those who are first will then be last. Is there any fight in your faith? Is there any repentance Is there any death to your selfish desires? If not, why? 
strive to enter by the narrow door. The good news is that there is a door. God doesn't have to allow any doors at all, but He does give a door, and that door is Jesus Christ. That striving against self, that striving against sin, that striving for others and for love for others, that's called repentance. That's turning from yourself and from sin with disgust. It's the death of self. It is repentance. It's laying yourself low before a holy God. And it is a fight to confess, I am not worthy of your salvation. I, am not, I have not lived up to the standard you have put before me. So I, I humble myself. I repent. I turn. And I look to Christ. Those who do so, they will be brought into the kingdom of God. Those who strive in this way, repenting of self and sin and striving for righteousness, they will enter through the narrow door through their repentance and faith in Christ. So as we come to the communion table this morning, coming to the communion table could be a false faith for some. You could, you could do, everyone's, everyone's going to get up and come on. So it could just be a meal of convenience for many. Everyone's doing it. So I guess I'll just do what the crowd is doing. But I want to challenge every one of you this morning to take communion as a fight. Striving, striving for the narrow door. Confessing your sin. That this meal is not a show for you. This is part of your fight. This is part of your striving. I don't deserve this salvation. I come as a sinner deserving the wrath of God. But having been given God's grace through Jesus Christ, this is a striving moment. Confessing sin, looking to Christ, trusting in His work, yielding to His Lordship, that is a fighting stance. And I'm calling you this morning to fight, to strive. To strive by turning from sin and self-love and turning to faith, righteousness, and true love that flows from the Father to all those who are His. Let's pray. Father, help us in this place this morning see ourselves clearly, that we might turn from our idolatry, our self-love, our sinfulness, and turn and despise everything that keeps us from You. Put it to death, to kill it, to kill it, God. Confessing it before You and looking to Christ that we might receive forgiveness. We might receive grace upon grace. Mercy new every morning. Work this in our hearts this, in this place this morning, God. We pray that you would do this as only you can do. Help us, God, to strive to enter through the narrow door. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.